This is the Sports Desk. Good morning, you're on the Sports Desk with Tal and Kale. It's Tuesday morning and uh, we are having, I, mean, I suppose we've taken our own little, we've had our own little bye weekend or our bye Monday nights. So we're actually recording this on a Sunday afternoon uh, in preparation for the Tuesday morning shows. Okay. We're still broadcasting from home. Caleb, how are you today? Yeah, good. Really good. Uh, we've just, we were coming on a Sunday, so we've just watched two pretty good games of footy. Brownlow is coming up. Super Netball is happening today. We've got rugby going on today. So we're going to save you from speaking about and, those because and your, what and we your say internet. today will... <laughs> oh, and, and your internet is slightly lagging out yeah. because uh, because the UFC is being streamed in the other room. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm getting so, the exact same thing on your end. <laughs> yeah. And there's no one in my house watching the UFC, so I think I'm going to put the blame squarely on you. Uh, big weekend of footy. Massive weekend of footy. Um, big weekend for Victoria uh, in so many aspects. We have uh, the Vixens, the Storm, the Cats and the Tigers all in grand finals of their respective sports, which is, I mean, cause for celebration uh, for, a, for a state that's been doing it pretty tough. Had some announcements today about new restrictions as well, which is super exciting. But uh, over the weekend, Scan, you saw a few things that caught your eye. Uh, what do you got for me? Yeah, so uh, I caught this one on the Melbourne Vixens Instagram and Twitter. Uh, there was a photo shoot that was hosted up in the Gold Coast and it was featuring Richmond player uh, Dan Rioli, Geelong player Gary Ablett, uh, and it also featured the Melbourne Vixens captain. Uh, and the Herald Sun editorial decided to run with the pictures of just the two footballers. They left out the Melbourne Vixens captain uh, and it got called out by the Melbourne Vixens um, and good on them for calling it out for, I guess, women's sport in Australia needs more coverage in the mainstream media uh, and editorial decisions like that one from the Herald Sun uh, aren't doing anything to elevate it. I'd like to say that I'm surprised, but it's the Herald Sun. So I think it's uh, pretty clear that I'm not surprised. Um, another one that you pointed out, Scan, was that uh, Damien Hardwick in his post-game press conference um, was asked uh, as the last question about uh, his views on the um, on the coaching fraternity and the recent news about Reshaw taking a break from coaching at North Melbourne, um, and he had uh, he had some some uh, some powerful words to say. And that we we know and we cherish, and you know, he's an incredible incredible person. But the, the rigors of our our game, especially in this year, it, it probably reciprocates what people are going through. It's tough, it's challenging, and you know we just wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, and the North Melbourne Football Club as well. Like, as people like Reece Shaw don't grow on trees. He's a special human. Um, you know, he's got an incredible relationship with his players, and we just wish he uh, wish he bounces back very quickly. Because um, people like him, they're great to have in the industry. Well, that was quite nice from Damien Hardwick, and we wish all the best for Reece Shaw and Reece Shaw's family, and of course North Melbourne and North Melbourne fans such as yourself, Tal. Yes, uh, and I think it's a reminder that. Uh, Coaches in in AFL, it's uh, the, the 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 demands on coaches these days are you know increasing. Um, to you know, not only do you need to be a, uh, we, we've talked about this in re- recent weeks. The role of the coach is more than just being a coach. It's managing relationships relationships with the players. You know, more than ever, it's managing relationships with the media. In Reece's, in Reece Shaw's case, 
he has an incredible amount of, you know, respect within the media, respect within the industry, which is one of the reasons why um, what was going on probably wasn't reported on as much because, you know, a part of the coach's job is to have those really good relationships as well as, you know, managing everything else that comes at you from a variety of angles. So there's a lot of pressure on coaches these days and it's great to see that the support is being given and the allowances are being made for people that, um, you know, quite rightfully uh, should be able to just take a break and a step back from those things. So, yeah. All the best to to reshore and, and the North Melbourne Club. Hey, one thing that um, surfaced up this week was an old video of the Richmond Football Club CEO Brendan Gale, um, and this was from two thousand and ten, and it was him talking about his ten year plan at the time. It was aired on Channel Nine. We've got some audio here for you. Got to make the right decisions, mate, because you're talking about three flags by two thousand and twenty. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got to make the right decisions in the most competitive sport just about in the world and one of the most competitive phases in our eras in, in the history of the game. And I, I make no apologies for the fact we want to be the best football club. We want to be you the greatest. Some flack. You cop some flack about the fact that you, you put the, or you, a document, an internal document that got out earlier than you would have liked, yep. spoke of a membership target of 75,000, yep. three flags in 2020 and this over this five-year plan or 10-year ten ten-year period. It starts with a vision and we're not here just to compete. No one is. There's no point. You might as well pack up and go, no, I'm not embarrassed. I'm actually proud of that. And we've got a vision to compete and to be the best. The best on the field, the best off the field. If we're not, if we're not locked into that, we might as well pack up and go home. Just as a bit of context, Tal, you did a bit of research on this, but prior, so 2010, Richmond had, this was recorded, um, let's say it was recorded during March. the season of 2010. Uh, just prior, March. so yeah, March, just prior to the season. And they'd just come off um, two, 2009 season where they'd finished, uh, they'd just narrowly escaped the wooden spoon. They had something like like uh, five wins at one, one game at home. So a bad season by all accounts. 2010, they hire this guy called uh, Damien Hardwick. You might've heard of him. Um, and uh, they laid out a, a plan uh, coming from the top which included such things as winning three premierships before 2020, uh, having a membership base of more than 75,000 people and reducing their debt uh, to, to zero, which even you and I, as we would have been 13 years old at the time, I can remember hearing this and knowing mm-hmm. that the Richmond Footy Club were the laughing stock of the AFL and la- like laughing. It was preposterous and it was mm-hmm. to, to even... To, to see someone dreaming that big was laughable. And, you know, to put it in context, it's like North Melbourne or Adelaide coming out March next year after having horrendous years this year, saying they're going to win three flags by 2030. Like, who says that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's behind the sky. There you go. We laugh, yeah. We laugh. And it's, and, um, I mean, say what you will about Richmond. Like, I would... I, as a Western Bulldogs fan, and I imagine yourself as well as a North Melbourne fan, uh, are a bit sick of seeing the success of Richmond, but, geez, I would love it if dogs were on that level where, like, oh. we are despised by other other fans because of the success of the club. So, yeah, I, I think um, it was very it was very interesting to look back at that footage and just be like, God, they are a very successful club. They've got 100,000 members um, and they're on – they could have their third – final premiership by 2020 we'll be chatting about that big grand final coming up this weekend Uh, but right now we're going to go to a break after this we're going to be chatting about the events that led up 
to the AFL Grand Final. The teams got in and how a bye at the end of the season may or may not have affected the chances of people getting to the Grand Final. So we'll be back after this. You're on the Sports Desk. Welcome back to the Sports Desk. Here with Tal and Caleb on a Tuesday morning. We're recording this on a Sunday. But uh, we're just talking off the back of the two preliminary finals. Uh, and it's another year where the conversation has come back to the bye because Port Adelaide and Brisbane Lions have both lost. And a lot of people have brought up the fact that over the space of four weeks, both Port Adelaide and Brisbane have only played the one game of football. Uh, well, obviously, now it's two games. But, um, Tyler, I'd like to get your perspective. Do you think the bye should stay or go? It's a tough one. We were talking about it off air. Um, I personally, you know, you raise a point after this, which maybe think about it, but I would like to not see a bye. I think it's better to just keep rolling straight into finals. Um, you raised the very good point of a few years ago when Fremantle uh, and maybe some other clubs rested a whole bunch of players in the last round. Uh, and this was one of the ways that they wanted to um, they wanted to stop people resting players in the last round and just give them the week. Um, but I would like to see if there's any, you know, if there's some kind of arrangement that can be done where you just roll from one, one week into the next, into the first week of finals. I also just think, like, I don't need any more tension to be built for finals. I don't need an extra mm-hmm. week. I don't, I don't need it. I'm excited enough already. Just let me keep rolling as a fan and a watcher of sports. Let me keep rolling into the finals. And also, let's just get the season done with. I don't need it to stretch out. <laughs> this year has tested the resolve of how long the season can go on for. And I don't want a long season like this ever again. <laughs> yeah. I'm very fascinated to see whether uh, Ken Hinckley or Chris Fagan, for that fact, do come out and make a statement about whether they want to see the buy um, changed because I just think there might be a little bit of hesitation. Um, like you could see that either of those two coaches coming out and saying, you know, we were disadvantaged by playing a lack of football because of the buy uh, and then being accused of coming up with excuses, I suppose. Um, so maybe there'll be some stuff behind closed doors, but inevitably I think we'll be seeing a a conversation come up about the buy again and whether it needs to stay or whether it should go. It's also a, a bit of a different year in footy this year for another reason, which is that this is the first time uh, potentially, oh, so forever, but definitely since 1995 when the eight-team finals format was brought in, that both teams in the grand final actually lost the first week of finals. So um, both teams lost the qualifying, won the semi, mm-hmm. won the prelim, and one of them will win the grand final. So this hasn't happened in the modern era of AFL, which also adds like a different wrinkle. Another reason why this season has been weird, unexpected, um, kind of hard to get your head around in some ways. And, you know, forever, whether you believe it or not, the I think the the tag of an asterisk season uh, or an asterisk premiership will, for better or for worse, stick around, um, which I think is a shame. Do you shame. reckon it'll stick around? I, I think it will. I think it will. Like, I mean, look, we know that Richmond and Geelong are actually probably the two best teams in the competition. Um, but even so, people will always have something negative to say. Um, but hopefully hopefully, the fact that they have overcome all these challenges is looked upon favourably rather than, you know, the dice fell your way um, in that particular season. But I think I reckon there's many examples of years where they, they talk about asterisks. Like you look at the NBA last year and people say that that was an asterisk season because... Durant was injured or you look at 
the 2016 Western Bulldogs year and they say that was an asterisk because, I don't know, the dogs got a good run with the umpires. And I think your point to your point precisely, people will say um, say whatever they want and um, there is going to probably always be a pessimistic view on premierships. But I think that the asterisk has been almost disproven this week because there's two Melbourne teams that are in the grand final. And yeah, that's a very good point. Adelaide and Brisbane. Yeah. Both had the, the home ground advantages mm-hmm. and I think Richmond and Geelong, although it's probably not the best result for fans, I think they proved that they are the two best teams in the comp and deserve to be playing in the grand final. Yeah, uh, I think it says also says a lot about, uh, it, it adds a lot of fuel to the fire around the Cadenia Park um, GMHBA <laughs> stadium argument um, from the Cats from the Cats side of things, or from the Definitely. AFL side of things, sorry. Um, hey, after this, uh, by the time you're hearing this, you will know which player or players uh, may have had the Brownlow hung around their neck. Um, But we are going to be briefly chatting about the Brownlow and what we are looking forward to, but not not speculating too much about the results because we'll be dead wrong. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Murphy's Law is we will be absolutely dead wrong. Uh, That's coming up after this. You're on the sports desk. You are back on the sports desk. It's a Tuesday morning, but you are hearing the sounds of me, Tal, and Caleb, my co-host, broadcasting on a Sunday afternoon because we had to get this one recorded a little bit early so we could uh, schedule it in to broadcast. But uh, it's going to be the Brownlow uh, Monday night, last night, your time, the audience of Sin. Um, And it's going to be a bit different this year. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like, to be honest. Am I actually even going to watch it? Maybe just the start. I actually might be more interested in the red carpet this year. <laughs> to be honest, Caleb, for 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 once, because um, it it's Don't looking like what? it's looking like it might not actually be as much of a red carpet. They have uh, mm. officially relaxed the strict black tie dress code, so maybe are we looking at potentially the swaggiest Brownlow in recent memory? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I would like to see Nick Natnui grace us with his presence because he has some swag. He has some drip. Yep. <laughs> Maybe like a hoverboard, uh, Alex Rance AFLX style. Is there, a, is there a 2020 version of the hoverboard? Have we, like, have we gotten to that level? Is it electric cars? Are we, Maybe. is that the coolest thing? I'd like it if it was. I'd like yeah. it if like net zero emissions uh, transport was the coolest thing that you could do. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. But uh, the, red, the, <laughs> the red carpet is one, um, one thing that we're looking forward to. Um, but, you know, Whoever wins uh, the Brownlow, it will have been decided by the same people it's been decided by for a long time, which is the umpires. And we know that the umpires carry uh, a bit of an inherent bias towards midfielders. I don't think anyone here is going to debate is going to debate that, unless you are mm-hmm. a ardent defender of the fullbacks position as the greatest <laughs> on the on the field. <laughs> um, but Scan, we were chatting off air about just brainstorming some ways that we could mix up how the votes are allocated, who gets them and who gives them. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it kind of came off the back of I I kind of like the way that they decide the Norm Smith. I like the subjectivity that comes with it and that it's, it's all, almost like a you can measure impact a little bit better. And I think that's something that occasionally gets missed with Brownlow. Is that and, so, and so just for people that... Impact. People that may not be familiar with the with the Norm Smith um, structure of voting, it's a panel of I think five or six. Um, normally, uh, footy analysts 
but normally like ex-AFL players, coaches, people that have a knowledge and a love for the game um, um, who I think so this last year's grand final, Nick Rewalt might have been giving out some votes. Um, yeah. would, did Richo give like out? Some, oh, pro- probably. Yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, I, I really like that, that idea of being able to measure someone's impact mm. in a game. Um, and to, and then you, you, you came up with a very nice idea of maybe enlisting ex-Brownlow medalists as a panel to decide who wins the Brownlow medal. I think keep it in the family. I think that's pretty fun. And I think <laughs> if you're, and if you're someone, you know, someone like us who, you know, you really look for those narratives that run throughout a season, you know, the, the media does it every single second of every single day. You're looking for more stories and the umpires, it's, it's, it's not much of a story apart from, you know, your Tom Mitchells who rack up 50 possessions in the game. And so they're like, oh, the umpires just see people who get a lot of possessions. It's a pretty boring storyline, frankly. Mm-hmm. But when you're when you're viewing it through the lens of past players and past Brownlow medalists who are, you know, at the, the best of their craft, I think it's really interesting to 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 think about what those players value from certain eras because you could split the panel, you know, up from players from the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, all the way up until present day Brownlow medalists. So I think it would be interesting, and you would get a great mixture of votes, and you know, you'd see you'd see your defenders getting getting rewarded. You'd see the you know, the people that just do pressure act after pressure act, um, smothers, spoils, tackles, that kind of stuff. To see someone like that get a two or three vote game would just be, it'd be fantastic. And I think it would it would make the Brownlow more interesting at the end of the season. Yeah, I love it. I think it um, it probably needs a rejig. I'm a little bit the same as you. Like I'm the Brownlow medals on tonight and I have sort of got some interest in it. But um, yeah, I'd love to see something different, something change. Oh, it is on tonight, isn't it? I've been saying Monday night the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's normally on a Monday night. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. This year they've changed it to a Sunday. Don't know what the um, theory is, but I mean, what else have I got to do? I'll probably watch it. <laughs> are we are we allowed to are we allowed to um to repeat the rumors that were that were put forward in our footy chat inbox uh, group message, or is that is that a, is that oh, okay? Please. Should we? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. the word the word is again. We're predicting, but the word is Christian Petrarca is the only Melbourne footballer still up on the Gold Coast, and they 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 say that maybe the only reason he's still up there is because he's tied the Norm Smith or won the Norm Smith. So Norm Smith, Brownlow, 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 Brownlow. He wishes Norm Smith. Hey, you know, well, when we listen back to this episode, we'll see. It's on the record it's on now. The record. <laughs> After this break, we're going to be chatting about the AFL Grand Final next Saturday. Make sure you stick with us. We'll be back. You're on the Sports Desk with Tal and Caleb. You're on the Sports Desk with Tal and Caleb. I hope you're enjoying your Tuesday morning. We are recording this on a Sunday afternoon while the Super Netball Grand Final is on. Brownlow's coming up tonight, so you might be thinking, why the hell haven't they spoken about some of the biggest stories? But... uh, we do not have a crystal ball that we can... That's all right, Caleb. Um, Lockie Neal, runaway Brownlow winner. Uh, really great to see him up on the stand making a, making an impassioned speech uh, about winning the Brownlow. No, so. smashed, <laughs> smashed Brownlow. Uh, West Coast fever, so nothing to talk about there. Uh, <laughs> next Saturday, Carl, um, is the AFL Grand Final, and there's been some announcements made on Sunday today from Dan mm-hmm. Andrews that there won't be the traditional barbecue. There won't be the traditional setup that we've gotten so used to in Victoria of watching the AFL grand final. Now you have a little maybe conspiracy theory um, 
Look, my look. You want to use your, you want to use the thin airways to air your conspiracy theory? I think I think what is what's subtly going on here, you know, Dan Andrews has accused the federal government of playing politics, and I'd mm-hmm. like to accuse Dan Andrews of playing football politics. I think there's some under the table agreements uh, being made between the Essendon Football Club uh, and Dan Andrews, who is a, an avid supporter of the Essendon Football Club. But I, I think Dan Andrews has told them he's not going to ease restrictions until Zach Merritt's signature is down on paper. And he's recontracted to Essendon for a further three to four years at about seven to eight hundred thousand dollars a year. I like, I just think I just think he's got him over a barrel here. And I think for the sake of Victoria, Essendon needs to re-sign Zach Merritt as quickly as they can. <laughs> like this bad this has just been compounding for Dan Andrews. There's been there was the skyrocketing cases at the start of August. Then he finds out Arazio Fantasia is potentially <laughs> moving back to South Australia. Joe Danaher is going up to Brisbane. So um, I can sympathise with Dan Andrews on that one. I mean, the contact, trace, the contact tracing is just, it's obviously failing. It's like, where are all our players going? We don't know where they are. They're just... Why don't we just, uh, let's just quickly, what, do you want to quickly chat grand final? Or do you want to save it till after the yeah, break? Let's quickly chat grand final. Sure. Man, it's uh, I'm I'm really excited, and I'm glad that I've got a team that I can um, that I can back in, that I really want to get behind, and I'm happy to you know, it's happy to you know, happy to go against the the big dogs, happy to go against Richmond, the big cats. I thought you were going to say Melbourne Storm or something. Because, uh, <laughs> I feel like it's the lesser of two evils. I I don't really mind either way. Um, I'm I, you know, I like I like the story. I like the last dance narrative uh, that Gary Ablett's there. You know, he's back to win his last. Last premiership, Dangerfield with his first. Um, I think it's I think it's really exciting. And in the in the ABC, Dean Bilton had an article, and he's had some words in it about the look and the feel of the game and what to expect. And I think they were really beautiful, um, just comparing the two game styles. So um, Dean wrote, Richmond's full throttle motion against Geelong's mastery of pace, Richmond's art against Geelong's science, Richmond's fury against Geelong's finesse. And I think. I think those three really capture um, what this game hopefully is going to look like. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I feel like there is a little bit of a lack of narrative around this grand final. At least last year we had the GWS. Um, GWS was our first grand final. There was, you know, the big, big sound. That was a big theme song throughout the week. We had Marlon Pickett doing in the grand final. Yes, it was a bit anticlimactic with, um, you know, the performance put by GWS. But are there any narratives uh, that we can look forward to next week? Do we have any players that we could maybe start a campaign behind to get them to debut in the grand final? Um, I think. I think why not? Re- I think why not recycle uh, last year's narrative? Like mm-hmm. you know, it happens every. It, you know, the grand final happens every year. We're always recycling the same old narrative. Like, will they? Won't they? Cooper Stevens, number 16 pick from the national draft in 2019. He hasn't played a game yet. He's 188 centimetres. He's 83 kilos. Time is ripe. Geelong, put him in the side. Kick out Reece Stanley or, I don't know, Ablett or someone. Just put him in. Put him in the side. And, uh, you know, it's it's the first time it's happened last year and it's a a one-for-one success rate with uh, debutants winning grand finals. So... That might be the narrative that Geelong needs to get over the top. I can get behind it. Cooper Stevens, <laughs> get him in. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and your tip for the for the grand finals, Caleb? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I think I, like many other non-fans, um, I think I'm going for Geelong, but Mark's telling me that Richmond are probably the better team. What yep. about yourself? I'm in the same boat. Uh, I think I'd uh, I think I'd tip Richmond, but I will be back in Geelong to the hills. Cool. Well, we've got the rest of the week for on Wednesday. Sports Desk will be packing it apart, and we've also got the Friday team that will be dissecting the grand final at great, de- great depths. Great depths. Uh, we're going to jump into a quick break. We'll be wrapping up the show after this break and previewing some of the other sport that's coming up for the rest of the week. You're on the Sports Desk. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for sticking with us through the last hour of the Sports Desk on your Tuesday morning. You've been with Tal and Caleb, and we've been unpacking the AFL results from the weekend and getting all mightily excited for the AFL Grand Final coming up this weekend. It's the best week of the year. You know, that third week in October, uh, it's just, you know, traditionally it's just the greatest week of the year. So can't wait to see the teams running out for that. Uh, also the Storm uh, going up against another NRL team in the rugby. In the Penrith? <laughs> yeah, Penrith. Yeah, sure. And uh, that's, why come, that's why you listen to the Sports Desk to get NRL hot tips. Uh, the racing, what's happening in the spring racing? Tal, well, who's your tip for the horse? Race? Uh, that'd be the fastest horse. That's the one I'll be backing. Um, and that'll probably do us for this week of the sports desk. <laughs> I've just realised we've only spoken about footy this whole show. It's so good. What else <laughs> is there? We are locked in our houses. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening in today. You can... Uh, Listen to all the shows on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Wednesday shows on at 9, Fridays on at 9 till 10 as well. And we'll be back next Tuesday unpacking all the stuff from the weekend, both finals. Um, we'll probably be talking about just footy again. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Go Cats. <laughs> Go Cats. See you, <laughs> See you later.